Hello, and welcome to Call and Response, a blues podcast. I'm your host, Ben Forrester. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about all these dudes you've really played with. I mean, Lucky Peterson, Larry called Oh, Lucky, did Joe, but Lucky, just, Lucky passed just take away us through the whole thing. this year. Yeah. And, uh, man, talk about learning stuff from a dude. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, there's uh, there's been times when on Joe's tour, we'll do like three or four nights in a row. And Joe is like, you know, ooh, we got three, four nights in a row, man. And, you know, mind you, it's a lot bigger operation for Joe. So I understand it's a lot more output. Mm -hmm. But put wrap your mind around this. We were, it was 93, I believe, when I started touring with Lucky. Okay. And it was right when his Polygram record came out, um, I'm Ready. Awesome and uh, we were kind of just murdering all across stages in Europe, all over Europe. Wow. Every little town that had a festival, we were headlining that festival. Awesome. And and he was uh, he was being touted as the prince of the blues. In other words, the heir apparent to B.B. King. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, there are a lot of people that that get that that thing tossed around of like, oh, he's a prodigy, he's a prodigy. Lucky Peterson was a real prodigy. This cat was three years old, you know, getting lessons with Jimmy Smith because he had already played really well. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. He was was Little Milton's music director at 12 years old. That's insane. And then he left Milton after four years and went... And was Bobby Bland's music director wow. at 16 years old. You're not talking just he was in the band. Yeah. He was the music director. Yeah, he's arranging. He's 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 in it. He's he's he getting that shit a, tight. He was a seriously, seriously overly talented dude. Yeah, I mean um, he can do and, everything and too. Very deep in the real blues thing. His his parents owned a, a club in Buffalo. Um called the governor's in and, and he heard and listened to all these great people as a child, like a baby. I remember his mom told me a story that at one point they came, they would on many a night, they would come home after closing the bar and they would come upstairs and lucky would have crawled out of his crib and was sleeping with his ear on the floor. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's like, and it it's you know when you you check out any of his stuff, you just go, wow, man. He was he was you know he had the demons of drug addiction and stuff, you know, which eventually probably took him out. And um, but man, he there's no denying how much talent that dude had. Yeah, that was, so, you just listen to him um, play. It's like wow. But learning from him, what I learned was getting back to that thing of you know Joe doing a few nights in a row. I said, you know, I remember being on a bus and Joe was like, yeah, you know, we got, we got three or four nights in a row, maybe five. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever done five in a row with Joe. Um, but anyway, uh, I said, Joe, this is kind of, kind of funny to hear this. Cause I remember being on the, on the road with Lucky. And at one point we did like, we did like four months in Europe straight, like 16 weeks oh of, God. of touring. And at one point we did like, 39 one-nighters in a row he's like what that's insane yeah and then we had like two nights off and did like 33 more that's insane our 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 record and it was you know kind of funny because during that time i got to see lucky just 
kind of kick ass every single night. Yeah. And when you when you're privy to that, there's no other way but you just learn from that. Like there's an intensity that that mm-hmm. guy brings to the stage every single freaking night. Yeah, and you got to keep and, up. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to keep up. Like, you know, if he's bringing it, it's like, oh, I got to keep up with this. You know, he's, he's, well, he's even driving more that. So I just look at it like I was just one little part. Mm-hmm. And again, he's the guy that's like, you know, he's the artist. He's the guy calling the tunes. He's the guy leading the band and, and singing. And everything was just ferocious, man. And, and there's a, there's a phrase that I tell people when they when they want to do something musically or they want to you know musically is what i'm what i would normally talk about but um uh it's this thing uh where i tell people like just be undeniable yeah you've told me that you know or try to be undeniable so nobody can say no to you when they hear you it's like yeah yeah you know, and I know what you mean, you know, I try to live up to that, you know, but lucky man, seeing him night after night, after night, after freaking night, just kicking ass. Yeah. He's bringing it, um, under all sorts of situations, you know, in America we were touring. It was funny. And in, in Europe, we were like treated as rock stars. Mm-hmm. And in America, we would just play every blues hole in the world in a van, you know? So it was this, this, you know, oh, back to reality. We got three weeks in a, in the States, you know, oh yeah. God, you know, funky motels, bad food, horrible sure. travel. Yeah. But still every night kicking ass. Yeah. But it that's is, also like and, you know, makes, makes you who you are as a player. I mean. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's what I learned most from him was, was that sort of thing of like, um, you know, like I said, just try to, you know, I don't care how you feel. Every night that you get on the stage, you better be kicking ass. I don't want to hear that, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm no run down. Oh, I got a cold. Oh, my voice is sore. I No, there's no time for that shit. No. The only, the only thing you got to do tonight is kick everybody's ass. Now, I remember, I remember one festival we did somewhere in Europe. Um... And we were uh, opening the show this day was uh, Wynton Marsalis. Okay. And and then we played and then Al Green followed us. Wow. And I remember uh, coming off the stage after we played and Al Green at the side of the stage clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Lucky went by him and he said, follow that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 yeah it's so great uh, yeah know, i mean back that and, shit up it's, you know and and but and it was all done in a in a constructive way yeah you know nothing was meant to be um uh you know disrespectful at all but it was like literally he would go up and just rock the house ball of fire uh, and and you know i'm i'm really sad that his his life ended the way it did mm. um but man he left a whole ton of music behind yeah and, um and that's one of the things i i ga- gained just from watching him do it is just like there's a there's a 
there's a relentless quality to his music and his his performance and that's i i just do my best to try to you know respect that and honor that mm. and you know oof. but man what a what a dude yeah you know? for real um so now like but, yeah you did the lucky thing then where did you go from there because we're, we're getting up to where you are now but like, what did you do well, after I, that initially before lucky i was living in memphis and okay i i really love the music of memphis and the soul music of memphis mm. um um i played around there i played with a lot of people there um and then i uh you know but i was kind of a mess i was kind okay. of a mess as a as a as a young man and you know i had to go home and dry out from just drinking too much and mm. i was a mess and so i went back to my hometown syracuse and i i uh i swore off gigs for a while and i got a job at a gas station that i used to work at okay it was a, it was a gas station i worked at as a kid and i said you know if i could work graveyard i could practice oh perfect practice no one comes in so i remember um I would work, I would go to work at 11 o'clock at night and work till seven in the morning. And it was in the middle of nowhere. So by 1130, there was nobody coming in, Yeah, but we would stay open because it was on a major highway. And, um, you know, you would get over the course of the night, you'd get people trickling in. But yeah. for the most part, I could practice for a half an hour and, and not have an interruption. That's perfect. And so at this point I was really, I was studying a lot of, of of jazz stuff and i i had taken some lessons with dave liebman um the great saxophone player he played with miles davis and wow. elvin jones and and you know he's a fantastic educator of jazz fantastic musician and um and he he's one of those guys that that teaches you how to learn instead of oh here play this you know he doesn't do that he like goes all right, we're going to make sure your tone production is okay. We're going to make sure your, you know, all this other stuff is out of the way. So you just you should know how to play the saxophone when you go see him. But then he's going to teach you how to learn from records. Yeah. You know, from the really great teachers are all on records, you know, Cannonball Adderley, Coltrane, mm -hmm. uh Sonny Stitt, all these fantastic people that had played and oscar peterson you can learn from the records yeah literally just learn how to listen to the records and he would mm -hmm. he helped me with that and that's awesome you know i'm by no means a bebop guy i'm not by no means a jazz guy you know i play blues and i try to incorporate some of that stuff into my playing but um but he really taught me at that point how to learn from records and so I would I would take uh, transcriptions, and and I would I would write them out. My I would learn them and write them out myself okay. as good as I could. You know, I was never taught how to write music or read music that well, um, and so I I um, I would I would write them out and I would learn the solos and I would kind of break them down and try to learn the language yeah. of jazz and improv. Um, and so I would go to work at 11 o'clock at night by 1130, I'd have my saxophone out and I'd be <laughs> practicing and, you know, I did that for a few years and, uh, and, and then, um, a guy from, 
Syracuse got me out of my shell and started me gigging again. Guy named George Rossi, little Georgie, um, and uh, started gigging. And then Lucky came to town and took me on the road. That's cool. I went back out on the road with him. I met a bunch of people out on the road with Mm -hmm. him. I met Jimmy Johnson, who I later toured with, wow. and Carl Weathersby, a great guitar player from Chicago. Um, you know, I just met a bunch of great people yeah. and great artists. And, you know, from there, I went on the road. Uh, and then again, I went back to Syracuse for a time. And then I moved to Nashville for a time, which was kind of a, a weird period um, for me. Um, cause I wasn't really living in Nashville. I was there. I had a house gig for a while. And then when that dried up, I was working out of Chicago and Memphis more okay. than I was mainly Chicago, but I did some things in Memphis as well. Um, <clears throat> but mainly working out of Chicago. And so then I ended up going to Chicago for a very short time and, and, um, and after that, I just decided, man, I'd been on the road for a solid 10 years of really hard touring. This is yeah. not like luxury this touring. Is, yeah. Chilling you know, circuit, doing, right? You know, when we were working with Lucky, we had to, we had to bust the management's ass just to get us a bus because wow. we were doing so many gigs in a row that we, man, you can't have us doing this in a van, dude. Yeah. Get us a bus. We're yeah. making the money. Yeah. You know, you're just and, <laughs> jam packed in there. We finally got buses and, and that made it easier, but still you're working, um, you know, six, seven nights a week, man. Yeah. And, and living in a bus, time. we didn't even get hotel rooms half the time. Bunk time. You know, so it, you know, it was, and then in the States it was all blues touring and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was not, not an easy, easy 10 years of touring. Yeah. It's not like this this setup with Joe or Yeah. You know. But but you uh, so did it's it. Like you know, um again I had to go back home for a while, you know, get my shit together. And then I moved to Los Angeles. Okay. In 2000. And okay. It, you know, my first gig out there was with uh uh Chris Kane. Oh, wow. Chris is Chris is awesome. And if you guys don't know who Chris is, look him up. He's he's just a murderous guitar player. <laughs> yeah, that's like Fantastic some serious musician. tone. He plays piano, sings his ass off. Yeah. He plays saxophone. I actually got him playing saxophone really? again at one point. Um and uh worked with Chris and then settled kind of into the la scene a little bit but cool. I, it was around then that i started putting my first band together like 2000 okay. i think it was about 2001 and this was like the lead <clears throat> up to sliver of the moon <clears throat> yeah well i had had a, a bunch of tunes written and i put a band together and we didn't have a singer okay so i was like well you know um I'll sing until we find a singer. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I ended up just singing. You're so, the singer now. You know, and, and from that, we, we did uh, my first record. Um, had some really great people on that record. James Gadsden was, was my drummer. I was so That's fortunate to have Gadsden in my band for like eight years. You know? Wow. And whenever I would play, he would show up, man, and... 
again, he was one of those guys that he doesn't have a a third gear. It's always in high gear. Like when you hit the stage, I don't care if it's a ballad. I don't care if it's a slow blues. We are going to put our whole foot into this yep. thing. And, you know, the... Um, one of the one of the things I like that I, I that I learned from playing with James is, um, and you know because you've played with me, so there's a thing about uh, dynamic levels, oh, and yeah. I'm not talking volume, not I'm at all, not talk, and and the thing is, it's like an intensity, yeah, like because James will play his hi hat for a whole song, you know. And the way he would do it is, that, you know, yeah, this groove. And he'll play that for a while, but then to add a little level of intensity, it might be a little ghost notey thing on his snare. It might be a, you know, and he'll do a on on like the and of four or something to set up the downbeats. And you know, it's not like he goes and just starts banging the shit out of his drums, but it just builds this intensity. And I think so many people um could benefit from you know musically from trying to do um instead of instead of trying to um build music dynamically with volume find another way to do it sure with the same effect or a better effect mm -hmm. and that comes from just being able to make your grooves more intense exactly somehow. shorten it yeah. Elongate it, play a pickup, a little ghost notey thing, something, you know, so that if you're playing a guitar player, you know, so yeah. that you can you can elevate that part um without the volume knob being yeah. a part Pretty, of it. Because it basically is just like all of a sudden you're you're listening, okay, I get it, and this little boom happens <clears throat> and it just wakes the listener up. Like, hey, what was that? That was awesome. What was that? Yeah, but they don't much. even know what it is. Yeah. They, they can't don't put know their finger what's on it. Happening because it's not yeah. obvious. Exactly. It's just it's just a for lack of a better term, it's just intensity. Yeah. You and just if you, if you don't it. know how to do it, learn how to do that. Yeah. If I I bet they can't teach that at Berkeley. No. That's I don't feel. know because nobody does it like Gadsden. Gadsden's not a Berkeley kind of cat, man. You know, um, you know, and it's amazing to, to have been in a band with him for so long. <clears throat> he was a big part of um, of that record, uh, Hell and High Water, uh -huh. um, of the writing of that, because it was at that point when I was playing at this little joint called the the Foundry. That it was me, uh, James, Billy Haynes. Billy Haynes, Billy Haynes, um, Billy Haynes. bass player. Billy Haynes, Billy Haynes, Billy Haynes. The best. Um, and Sam, Sam Meek. And Billy and Sam, uh, Billy and James both sing their asses off. Yeah, that's like So all of a sudden of we started doing this three-part <laughs> stuff. And, and I started writing more tunes like uh, uh, Take Me Down Quick mm -hmm. and Hell and High Water. Things like that. And we do you know, some standard blues stuff and do three-part harmony to it. So cool. It was incredible, you know? Um, so he was a big part of, he was a big influence on me as a, as a, um, as a, as a musician, 
like uh, and as a person because he kind of i wish i had my shit together when i was when i had him in my band because i was a mess at that point too Mm. um but um i remember that part of his playing so much because that's how i learned how to play piano like i remember he gave me the most weird backward compliment (laughs) um he goes you know what i like about your your uh, piano playing is you know playing that piano shit and i went what <laughs> but what he meant was he, he explained it because i was like kind of offended <laughs> i was like about? what are you talking about man because <laughs> first of all i'm not a piano player i'm a self-taught guy kind of play it like a percussion instrument and he goes that's what it is, is that's exactly what does it for me play too. any the sparkly trilly kind of arpeggios and stuff like mm-hmm. that you just kind of try to lock a groove absolutely and that's I have all to do to do that and chew gum and walk at the same time kind of thing, you know, <laughs> Yeah. while you're singing. <clears throat> but that's the thing that I, to learn how to, to groove to that guy. I mean, he's a groove God as yeah. far as a lot of people are concerned. Yeah. That's just, you know? that's school. Um, that's church. So to be able, and, and then to, to, to be able to do that, while writing and developing songs with him and Billy Haynes and Sam mm. and and just have an opportunity to play every week at this tiny club where we didn't care how many people were there. I told the guy, because I said, man, you ain't paying me enough. We're just going to show up and play. Don't tell us when to quit. You know, we'll play, to, we'll play as long <laughs> as we gonna want. They're just going to do it. And it was at that point that I started doing these really long shows and not taking a break. Um, and Gadsden, man, he was like 70, what, 74 at the time. Wow. And we'd play two and a half hours. He's just going you for know, it. I, I remember, t- you know, looking over at him from time to time. I said, hey, man, you done yet? No, man, oh. keep playing. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. You know. Nice. That's so and awesome, And so it was, it was a really cool time for me to, to, to grow as a musician, and an artist at that point because you know james isn't going to play with you if you're a hack man if you're bullshitting yeah Yeah. he doesn't have time for that that's the one thing that i did have together was i don't want to go up on stage and and half-ass yeah yeah you got to bring it um ever ever i don't ever want to do that um and james wouldn't accept that kind of thing he'd be like yo dude (laughs) that was not happening yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um but you know um and after that you know i started playing with guys like yeah i've always had uh a, a thing about playing with guitar players guitar players I, I i seem to play with a lot of great guitar players you know um and i started playing with uh larry carlton and Icon. from time to time i don't do a, i don't do all the stuff with him because he he can literally call anybody you know um and he's he's such a great musician such a great conceptualizer um such a great writer i mean everybody knows him as that 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 cool slick sound that he has and his slinky way of playing and Mm -hmm. but man his writing is amazing his his conception his 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 overall concept of music is incredible he's an icon Um, i didn't know but he did all the arrangements on uh asia 
Wow. The Steely Dan record. Yeah. He's got, you know, he still has the charts and everything. Wow. And, you know, to be, to be able to play with that guy and just, you know, again, it's one of those things of just being around them to absorb um, how they put their music forward is, mm-hmm. a, is a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like there's no, the one thing I'm sad about is there's no farm system. I talked about, talked with Joe about this as well. Um, and that's a phrase Joe uses is the farm system of music, mm-hmm. like coming up and playing under guys like Lucky, playing under guys like Miles Davis or sure. you know, the guys that were lucky enough to do that. They built careers off of that shit, man. You know, and now it's it's really hard to do because the record business wants you to come out and be a finished product like right away, polished, ready to go. They don't want to do any work of artist development. And, and that's a real sad thing because it's kind of like expecting the eighth grader to play at college level. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, or the, or the semi-pro guy to go straight to the big leagues. Do it you now. Know, that's yeah. what I mean by the farm system. In America, mm-hmm. there's a, the baseball league. There's the, the, there's the National Baseball League and, you know, the pros. And, and then there's the minor leagues. Yeah. And that's like a farm system. Yeah. And under that farm system, there's levels of like, oh, he's playing triple A ball or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Yeah. Will he um, make it? And they, and they, if you're not immediately good enough to play in the big leagues, you go through the farm system. And a lot of guys go through the farm system and come up and play. And that, mm-hmm. that's not the case with, with blues anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest, um, that's kind of like, uh, how can I work? Like, it's, it's important to me because uh, you know you are now like that guy. You're the Lucky Peterson to me now, so I, I dig wow. this. You know, I have a lot of Those, them's big shoes, Jackson. Yeah, no, but seriously, I mean, you, you know, you're yeah, I you were the guy. I now, I, yeah, hopefully, I don't know if I'm the guy, but you know, I'm. You're teaching me some stuff, and if I was, hey man, I, mean, you know, I think we all this? have so that cool. responsibility. Um, and and I don't mean it as a responsibility to the art. I think we have that responsibility. If I want my shit to sound good, I have to kind of conceptually get it out of the people I play with. Yeah. You know, and it's not, I'm not doing any grandiose service to any, it's just the natural progression of stuff. Like Lucky wanted his show to kick ass every night. <laughs> yeah. So he had to get <clears throat> our dumb asses to kick ass every night. You know? And, 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 and if it wasn't, he would cuss us out on stage, man. Mm. He was like yeah. out of his mind about that. Oh my that. God. No, I mean, you're, mu- you're much nicer than crazy that. Crazy <laughs> stuff. But it was all in, in, out of the, um, the, the, the end game was to get the show to kick ass. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Awesome. End of story. Exclamation point. Period. And Done. that's kind of. All I have to do is try to get you on point to play my music the best you can. And I don't expect you to play like A, B, or C guitar player. No. I expect you to be the best version of yourself. So I, I in particular, I don't micromanage uh, that's people. That's really the coolest part of playing with you. I just, I don't see the need to do that. Spoon feed you how to play. I go, if you know this song, you play it the way you would play it. And I'm totally 110% cool with that. It, it's However, so cool. don't come up and not know the song because yeah. I'll bust your ass on it. That was like, they, it's, and, I get it. That was like, literally, I was literally shitting my pants before our first rehearsal <laughs> together. I'm like, I mean, 
you sent me like three charts. I asked for them. Uh, everything else I yeah. was like, I figured out by ear. And I'm like, all yeah, right, yeah. man, this is like, that's not easy. You think it's like, like you said earlier, it's like, oh, this is a shuffle. No, it's not a shuffle. It's not blue shuffle. There's some shit going on. You know? I remember, I remember being with, I was in Ike Turner's band and Ike was a brilliant guy. You know, for all his troubles and all his reputation and blah, blah, blah. He was a musical, like just juggernaut. And, and I remember at one point, uh, we were sitting through a rehearsal and one of the guys goes, uh, yeah, it's just a shuffle. And he said, it's just a shuffle. Ain't no such thing as just a shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Cause, and then, and you know, and then he went on and said, well, if it's just a shuffle, we could just, just a shuffle any goddamn song, you know, <laughs> and it's going to sound like just a shuffle. And he goes, this is this song. It's a very specific thing. Yeah. It's got a groove to it. It's got a bass line. It's got rhythm parts. It's got yep. warm. And then you start thinking, oh, shit. It does. Man. Yeah. It's a, There's it's like a little, thing. little things. And, and the drummer, you know, when I went to uh, Russia a number of years ago for, a sh for some shows, um, uh, a good friend of mine and a fantastic drummer named Joel Taylor asked me to um, help him with a clinic. He's like, I don't know, kind of know what to do for this particular clinic. I went, you know what? Let's just break down different ways to play a shuffle. Like literally just, I mean, and, and in this one little hour long masterclass we gave, we did like I think it was eight different kinds of shuffles. Oh, just on drums. It's not, not just a shuffle. <laughs> rhythm section. I'm just talking just drums. That shit eight is different important. ways to play a shuffle. And I'm sure there's ten more different ways. Oh, hell yeah. But but in general, you know, you can in other words, all the parts have to be don't don't go in thinking, oh, this is just the blues. No this way, is, man. You know, no, this there are parts to this. These are yeah. working parts and just as the isms I call them the isms of, of jazz, you know, the bebop language mm -hmm. and, the, and the swing language and things like that has all these isms to it. You know, so does blues. Hell yeah. So does R&B. So does funk, you know? Oh yeah. Um, all these things have little isms and there's parts that, that are, you have to know the ABCs of it. And that's just, you know, kind of the way I approach, uh, songwriting. Cause you know, I, I got, you know, eight different kinds of feels or something on a oh, yeah. 10 song record. And I'm, you know, I, I don't do it, um, uh, by chance I do it. Uh, uh, it's hard to articulate. Um, it's like each song is specific. I kind of write from a groove perspective. Like I, I come and I, I conceptual, I might be messing around with some chord changes sure. or even doing an exercise on piano and come up with a little thing and think of what, wow, what would the rhythm section sound like playing to mm -hmm. this, you know, and then write a song. Sometimes I write songs out of doing exercises. I've done for this. myself. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, so they, they conceptualize themselves and then that, 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 rhythm section kind or the imply implication of rhythm section in my mind will will generate a like an image of something or and inspire a certain kind of lyric or a mm -hmm. certain kind of melody and you know that's just my little tiny ounce of uh 
how I write songs. It's not, I, I know people that write lyrics and I, how do you do that with it? And then put music to it. I can't do that. I just, yeah. Ah, you do the you music know? and then do some lyrics. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's just the, the way I happen to but do it. Th that's um, okay. It's like, there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know? And ooh, we, don't do that. Don't, don't skin no cats. <laughs> we <Shut>. like cats. <laughs> yeah. We like cats. <laughs> <laughs> no skinning we're, the cats. No, we're we're dog kidding. people. But but yeah, that's I mean, you having the 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 uh how old are you now? Oh shit. What year are we in? I don't even know. <laughs> 32? 32. What are you 22? 22? <laughs> yeah, I no, wish but, I was you know, you're yeah, 32. still in your formative years. You know, you're still learning. I mean, I'm 53 now and I'm still learning how to do this stuff. You, I, you, you know. never stop learning. Uh, yeah but, and so so that's all it is you know this um but the fact that we don't have a real farm system and that would be yeah. really cool yeah you know if 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 the europeans really want to step up their game that's one way they could do it yeah and and you having a you know having having you know ebf putting tours together for guys like me that can't tour i'm at kind of a mid-level artist of mm -hmm. some sort i don't even know or yeah. beginning artist level guy that doesn't have the command to pack in a thousand people in a place um to be able to get over there and then um work with guys i have to be able to get the best out of you the best out sure. of simon yeah you know and um and it's not about you know anything more than that but the 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 tangible side of of just you know absorbing that kind of thing from somebody whether it be me whether it be jade whether it be teresa james mm -hmm. you know that's how you learn how to make a lot of music and be yeah. really good at what you do like i you know talking to larry carlton like he was exposed to unbelievable musicians every day of his his growth as a musician to doing great recordings, mm -hmm. great arrangements, you know, in top notch studios with some of the best players ever. So cool. Yeah. That made him a great musician. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and we don't have that happening anymore, yeah. but we do have a chance to tour and, you know, hopefully we can, mentor some young guys without without trying to mentor them you don't need just, to try just gotta, to do that you just do it you try to get them to sound good doing your music yeah i mean you just kind of for me i was just like okay i'm i'm gonna come into this this is this is heavier than than you know it it, it seems you know we're coming in this is we've never played together before I, we had a few conversations we hung out a few times but i never mm -hmm. played your music you know but it was just yeah. like all right, man, we're going for it, you know? And I felt confident in myself, but I was afraid, you know, what if he expects me to play the solo just like fucking Joe does on Hell and High Water? I mean, all right, we're, <laughs> okay. That's okay. something I, you know, I know people that do that. Yeah. I know, I mean, I've been, I remember telling one artist, they go, look, you know, you don't want me to play saxophone like I play saxophone. You want me to play saxophone like you would if you could play saxophone. So just, you know, this yeah. isn't going to work for me. Yeah. You know. No. Um, but it was really cool and, that you just kind of like, I think over, you gave me two tips. You were like, hey, uh, just do this one little part of it and do this one little part different. 
and was just like, really, that's it? I mean, you never really said anything. So I was like, and it was like really cool that you just gave me the space to play, you know? That's and what it is. Like it was I so said, it's awesome. Just, okay. First of all, learn the song. Yeah. And then play the song your way. Yeah. And it that was so mean, cool. Re- and if there's a real specific thing, yeah, we're going to need this. I'm going to mm-hmm. need a little triplet feel under this thing or a little, you know, little linear thing. Uh, but other than that, it's just like, yeah, you do your thing, man. Yeah. No, and, it was really and, awesome. And, and and that's the way music can go places. Yeah. Because that's what it is for me is this, this um, thing of having... Um, having a jazz improvisational approach to blues music and soul music and country blues and, you know, New Orleans influence stuff. I mean, mm. and it's just it, all of a sudden you just gain all these isms and they become yeah. a part of your normal playing. Yeah. And that's, that's all it is. And, and hopefully we all get to grow from that. And, and maybe you bring something to my stuff and I go, Oh, that was kind of cool. I want to kind of incorporate that on something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. <laughs> that's hope all so. it is. It's not. It's not trying to change the world. It's not trying to to mentor anybody. It's just trying to let's just let's just all try to just play this set of music tonight. Yeah, as good as we can. And if you learn something out of that, cool. Yeah, I mean that's the way I go into gigs. Like half the time, like you go in not knowing if you can do the gig or not. If you're the yeah. like, I mean, because when Larry can call Chris Potter or mark russo or tom scott what the hell is he calling me for you know it's it's weird i literally have thoughts of that i think i even asked him one time like man i don't know i don't know why you bother calling me dude <laughs> and he's like well none of those other guys sing <laughs> oh wow yeah so, Shit. okay cool all right Good. yeah and he goes no but i he, he said i like your saxophone too it's very soulful and and, and very blues uh Oh, so blues, so, so jazz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> that story <laughs> you, know. you can tell. Um, uh. But that's you know, I have to be comfortable in my own skin on his gig. Yeah, because he's had you know Kirk Whalem, who's just, I mean, he just drips soul every time mm. he plays his horn. Um, he's played with literally everybody. So what am I gonna? What am I doing in this chair? Oh, that's right. I'm I'm supposed to be me. Yeah. For better or for worse, I have to be me. Yeah, but that's cool. And, you that's know, so cool. I, 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 you just have to learn to, at some point, be comfortable in your own skin. That's yeah. really all it is. Yeah. Know? At least for me. Some of these other guys are chasing Coltrane and shit like that. But, <laughs> like, <Nah>. God, <laughs> that is a full-time occupation. Yeah. Man. That's, yeah. You know? Um, and I, I still do that. I still try to work on my playing. I try to do transcriptions and things. Matter of fact, one of the things I'm going to do is go back on some of the transcriptions because of the fact that I haven't been playing much and just go back over them and try to relearn the, the things I learned from. I did a whole stack of Sonny Stitt transcriptions, some uh, Stanley Turrentine stuff. I did some Coltrane. I did a bunch of Cannonball stuff. Uh, Gene Ammons, you know, and just try to get back on my horn, but maybe reabsorb some of the stuff that they played, you know. Back to the blues. And roots. apply that shit to the blues. The blues, because we like the blues. It's a blues yes, podcast. Sir. Nice. So, I guess um, you're going to be back here in May and June in Europe. 
This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to getting back in action. It's going to right be the, the first tour of the year for me, at least. And yeah. uh, I'm look. I'm just. I'm itching, man. I got. I want to get out. I'm there. dying I'm to play for people. I'm dying to play. Yeah. with people. That's I'm what I'm longing to just for. Be a musician again. Yeah. Um. And I think the people are dying for music. I just, you know, I think they're really. I I know in this country, especially in this city in Los Angeles, because California has been so ravaged with COVID. Um that we're in lockdown and we're constantly, you know, place venues are closing left and right. And, and, um, I think it's, it's, it's a, I think out of this, I hope we've learned that music is a very, the arts in general, but yeah. music especially is a very important fabric in our society. It really is. It. It's, and I can't wait to get over there. Yeah. We're going to kick some ass. We're just going to come in. You got a Lucky Peterson it kick some ass. <laughs> nice. Get up there and kick ass. But, uh, you know, um, hopefully we'll be able to uh, conjure Kirky Fletcher to come out to a show or yeah, two. Yeah, he's, he's not so far um, away, just over the border you know, there. Um, maybe my buddy Boney, Boney Fields, oh, man. Uh, lives yeah, in you guys Paris. Gotta... Maybe Boney will come out and do a show with us or something. And, and really, you, guys, uh, you know, make it something special. Hopefully I'll have Morgan Field in tow. Yep. And uh, oh, we're gonna be able do that. to introduce people to him so that he can come back on his own. And, you know, again, just move the move the yard marker. Absolutely. <laughs> That's all we're trying to do, man. Just yeah. a little bit Go down forward. the field at a time. You don't need to yeah. throw touchdowns every every play. Just move the ball down the field a little bit. That's right. As long as we don't go backwards, we're going forwards. Nice. Yeah. Two so, steps forward, one step back. You're still one step ahead. That's right. So I guess you can find all the dates on ebfmusic.com and our Facebook and Instagram. Where can we find more about Paulie? Where can they buy your well, music? We just actually just started talking about this before this interview mm -hmm. um, about putting up, re, reworking my website and all that. Yeah. So eventually in the next few weeks, I'll have my website back up. That's good. Um, uh, or by the time this podcast is posted, we'll have a website up yeah, where yeah. you can get t uh, CDs. I have two CDs available, T-shirts. We'll have links to different artists and cool. things like that as well. Um, but yeah, right now, the only record that's available is uh, Sliver of the Moon on online. Yeah. Uh, so once we get my, the website up, everything will be available, including T-shirts and stuff. Awesome. So, What's that going to be um, on? Polysever.com, right? What's, yeah, it, it's going to be yeah, polysair.com. Nice. Um, in the meantime, I only have a Facebook page. I don't do the Twitter thing. I have an Instagram page, but it's it's more for my personal stuff. Yeah, which, we got to get uh, you on. We, we'll get you on 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 polysair.com. That's where we get all the the good juice. Yeah, that's where the it'll good be. juice. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, dude. Yeah, nice. Let's kick some ass. Have some yeah. fun. Absolutely. Love the people. Love play the music for the people. Yes. Nice. So I think we're going to right. end the show with a song from Helen High Water. I think we're going to do uh So You Think You're in Love? Yeah. Nice. Uh this is this is one of those tunes. It kind of sounds like just a you know, uh an easy feel, but there's a lot of harmonic stuff going on with it that's, you know, uh typical of my 
crap that I write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> but, love this um, song. It's, it's just it's a it's a I'm really happy with this tune. I love yeah. playing it. It's a fun song. I hope Absolutely. you like it. Awesome. All right, man. So then, I guess we'll uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show again with a Morgan Field. Maybe you got to come in for the Billy Haynes one. I don't know. Oh we, snap! The, I don't know. We gotta. The you might Billy be like Haynes. a a reoccurring fixture on this podcast. Well, and hopefully I'll have gotten uh, around some people so I'm not so yappative. <laughs> yeah, no, this not, is good. It's a talk show. I just show. had a new word, yappative. Yappative. Not talkative, nice. he's yappative. Awesome, man. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd love to. Thanks cool. for having me, dude. Of course, this is the first episode, man. We have to go, you know, we've got to start it big with the big you know, oh, right PC on, on here. We Holy get cow. Sarah on the I episode. should have been nervous for this then. No God. way, man. <laughs> You're carrying the show, right, man. You're carrying the show. Nice. Awesome, well, thanks, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks for coming Hug on. Hug your and... wife for me. Will do. Love you guys. Hope you yeah. kick ass. Catch you Stay soon, safe. man.
Thanks for listening to Call and Response, a blues podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow and subscribe to be notified when another blues-filled episode is released.